Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. Uh, This last part of Growing Pains, part three, of this series is going to, and if I'm yelling at you, it's only because I can't, the, the, it's making noise for me, so I'm, I'm just trying to raise my voice at you. But um, this is part three, and this is going to be kind of a launching pad into the next three or four weeks. So uh, the, the next few weeks, we got some surprises and some things coming, so you want to be here in the next few Sundays um, and, and participate. I, and I'm excited to see those of you who did bear the rain and all that to be here today. It's awesome that you didn't allow that to keep you from being here, especially this family that uh, just became a family as of yesterday. The Riveras are here this morning. Johnny and Griselle were married right up here yesterday, and uh, and they're here today. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I don't really get that, but you know they're here. Uh, they, they, I you know I know um, they're on their honeymoon. So uh, if you see them cuddling up there, just ignore the whole thing. But. Uh, you know, it, 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 you get married and you go through that whole process and she was, she was, he was okay, but she was beautiful. And she's standing here in that white dress, all made up her hair, you know, and you're looking at them and you're thinking, they're just waiting to punch their ticket to, right, to get permission. So, uh, they were great and it's, they're a great example and a great, uh, 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 testimony of God's restoration, Right of how God can restore anything at any moment at any time in life, and uh, I've been reading uh, through uh, uh, learning about Elijah and Elisha, and I've already read through these things before. And uh, some of the things that I'm learning, Elijah, uh, you know, had his ministry, and Elisha followed him. And he says, "Before you leave, I need a double portion of your anointing." And Elijah, although he did many miracles, there were seven main miracles that he did. There were seven. Uh, miracles that were like outstanding that really stood out and Elisha did 14 so it was double but Elisha died after his 13th miracle and he was thrown into a cave where they put other it was like a tomb for different bodies or whatever and Elisha's bones were in that cave and they brought a dead man and they threw him into the cave and he ended up the dead man touched Elisha's bones and the dead man was resurrected from touching Elisha. That was his 14th miracle. was done after he was dead. So if you think God's done with you yet, he could use somebody even after they're dead. Right? So as long as you're still alive, God can still use you and restore you and give you a life that's worthy, worthy to be lived. Amen? So I want to encourage you over the next few weeks to, to be a part of everything that's happening next Sunday, the Sunday after, and then October 11th, I want you to put it into your phones, put an alarm on the 10th so you get remembered, uh, you know, whatever you need to do, but October 11th, we're going to have a very special service. Uh, we're going to have a, a worship service, a Holy Spirit service, a healing service, a, a miracle service, whatever you want to call it. But we're expecting God to move in our midst. I believe he moves every Sunday in a different way. And just because the hair on the back of your neck doesn't stand up or, or you don't you know, feel something or you don't fall over and roll around on the ground or bark like a dog, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is not moving in our midst. I believe the Holy Spirit's moving in our midst right now. Amen. Amen. So, uh, and even as we deliver the word, it said that Peter spoke the word and the Holy Spirit came upon those that heard him preach. So I believe that happens every Sunday morning, not because of me, but because of him. Amen. But we want to encourage you that that day is going to be a very special day. Uh, I'm going to be ministering a word probably in between, in between. So I'm not sure how it's all going to work out, but it's going to be a word on faith to move forward. Faith to move forward. Faith for, for the future. I'm still working on the title, but faith for later, faith for the future, faith for future, faith for moving forward, faith for, right? We got to start moving forward. And, uh, you know, our, our, our society and our culture has changed. Have you know that, that this year, our, every, a lot has changed. And, uh, um, you know, and we, we, we moved with it a little bit here and there, and we made some adjustments here and there for the sake of the people of the church and to be able to minister to a lot of different people. If we would have stuck our guns and just you know, shoved the word of faith down everybody's throat. And not everybody's at that 
place of growth. We're learning that as we go through growing pains. We learned that not everybody's there. So we want to make sure that, that everybody was ministered to, and we did the best that we could during that time. But it's time to move forward. Amen? And it's time to, to really take on whatever God has for us next. And, and whatever we missed or whatever we were, we were set back on over this, these last few months, God's going to make it up. And He's going to make it up quickly. Amen? So we believe for that. So get ready for that service. And we, like I said, over the next two or three weeks, we're going to have some special things happening and some announcements. So just uh, stick with us, and uh, we'll let you know what those things are. If I start to tell you now, then I'll ruin it. So let's get into Growing Pains Part 3, the last part of this series. And our reference scripture is John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. It says, Now... There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher and he has come f- who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are, what? Born, Born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. (laughs) Good, Good question, right? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying... You must be what? Born again. And this born again is, is, you know, we use the natural to explain the spiritual. And Jesus was a master at this when he spoke about parables or, uh, uh, um, you know, or what we're doing on Wednesdays, uh, uh, Word from the Home. Uh, what's the name of it again? At Home in the Word. Thank you. At Home in the Word. Uh, I'm going to pick up and mark again uh, as we continue. We've allowed some of our elders and pastors in our church to minister the word and and it's been awesome and i'm kind of preparing something here for the future and it's out of the parables and a parable is basically basically an earthly story with a heavenly meaning and god and jesus taught this way through the whole bible he always put you know it's the kingdom of god is about seed and harvest time with seed and harvest time is an earthly thing but he explains the kingdom through seed and harvest time and so he's always teaching earthly things. So when he says born again, he's using an earthly, natural thing of being born to explain the spiritual of being born. Now, when you're born in the flesh, you're born into a little baby, and time determines your growth physically. <laughs> How many of you know you can be grown up and still be immature and still be a child? So time determines your growth because you're you know, one month, you're one year, you're two years, you're three years, you're four, you know, and you continue to grow and you start your speech and you start to walk and you start to have, you know, hand-eye coordination. You begin to be able to do things that you couldn't do before and you grow. It's just a natural progress of growing. But spirituality is not like that. Spirituality has a starting point and that point could be 15 years old, you can be 19 years old naturally, you can be 30 years old, you can be 50 years old, you can be at the end of your life and give your life to, to God in your deathbed, and, and it would count, right? It would count, because uh, there was a, the man on the cross that died there, and he says, you know, he had been a sinner, and he says, you know, he says, you're obviously the Christ, and he goes, because you recognize who I am and have accepted me, today you will be in the bosom of Abraham, today you will see heaven. So even on the cross, on his last breath, that man got to go to heaven. So God gives us opportunity, even through our last breath, to be born again. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Paul was teaching them to strive to bring their salvation to a complete fulfillment. That means there's a start and, and, and there's a growth process into this fulfillment of what God wants us to become. Not just maturing as an individual, but as a church, as a whole, as the body of Christ. You know, that's why we're called the body of Christ, because we mature. 
as a whole also, and we mature as individuals. And that's what, uh, uh, what I'm, I'm moving towards on October 11th is to, to help the church mature, to take another step forward as we continue to grow together. So we're all in different stages of growth, and it's okay. You know, sometimes we want to judge others. Like, you know, the, you got born again last Sunday, and you're in this, this Sunday, you, you behaved a certain way. You're not supposed to do that. You're a Christian now. That doesn't work that way, right? We understand that a baby Christian is a baby as a baby, you know, poops his diaper and spits up and does those kind of things. You don't spank a baby for pooping his diaper. He doesn't know any better, right? You don't give a baby a hard time or put them in timeout. They don't know any better. That's just part of being a baby. We need to learn to be patient with uh, newborn Christians. And sometimes they take years to progress out of that uh, uh, babyhood stage, as we're calling it. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15, we see how God provided the church and the fivefold ministry to help you grow. And sometimes we want to help others grow on our own. And if you're not part of the fivefold ministry, we could really mess things up. It's kind of like handing a baby a baby. A baby can't take care of a baby because they're a baby themselves. Or handing, you know, a 10-year-old a baby and saying, okay, watch them for a week. You know, they may make it. It may work out if that 10-year-old is kind of a mature 10-year-old. But man, they're not going to know what to do. They're going to have to learn through that process. And that might not be good for the little baby you're handing them. (laughs) So we need to make sure that, that we allow what God has provided for our maturity to help disciple us and to help grow us. In Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 15, it's very clear. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. In another version, say, may grow up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants. If we allow this fivefold ministry to help us mature, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to be grow to become in every respect the mature body now we're growing together of him who is the head that is Christ god wants us to grow and sometimes it's painful how many of you know you have growing pains sometimes so as we continue through this in the in the bible we learn that there are three stages now i made these three stages there's actually Five words in Greek for the growing process, the spiritual growing process. I don't know them all, and if I did, I couldn't pronounce them correctly, uh, so I'm not even going to try. But what we did was we took it and made it into these three areas so that we could uh, go through this teaching as, as you know, not as quickly, but as best as possible. So I, I turned it into babyhood, childhood, and manhood. Babyhood, childhood, and manhood. And uh, I got this from 1 John chapter 2, verse 13. chapter 2, if you read through there, uh, uh, John the Apostle is writing to to children, he's writing to young men, and he's writing to fathers. And and he talks about the three different stages, and he writes something different about each one. But since we've moved on to manhood, let's read what he says about fathers. It says, I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. In the book, Unto full stature, I've mentioned it here before. It talks about this spiritual growth process. It's written by a German uh, a Christian man named Fromke. Uh, very eloquent, very educated, and they translated the, the book into English. Uh, and he talks about those five spiritual stages of growth. The mature stage, this last manhood stage, he calls it pater, which is a Greek word for father is what it means. To mature to this level, to get to this level of manhood or maturity, you must be like a father, right? How many of you know that you can grow up and become a mature man, but when you start to have children yourself, it's a little different. Same thing spiritually. You begin to lead people to Christ. They they become what we would call your born-again baby Christians, and now it's your responsibility to help them through that process of growth as you become their what we call spiritual father. But this manhood stage is his fathers because you know him who was from the beginning. And uh, I always think when I, when I read this scripture, I always think of 
uh, this is John the Apostle. I think of John the Baptist, you know, and he, he wrote, when he starts to write the, the, the gospel, you know, the, there's four gospels, they're all written differently, but John, he, lied, he wanted to go way back. Like some of them go back to the birth of, of Jesus, some of them go back, you know, they only go as far as the crucifixion, or they start in different stages of, of the gospel, but John goes way back and he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and it was there in creation, and he's talking about creation. He went, he went way back, right? He wanted to start way at the beginning and let everybody know that this Jesus, this man that came down from heaven and became flesh and, and hung on the cross, he was with God at the very beginning. And if you understand this concept, then you've become what we call a pater, a father, because the father knows what happened at the very beginning, and he understands the entire process of what God did for us and why he did it for us. So we understand that our vision shows us this growth process to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We want people to be born again, to know God. We want them to find freedom, to grow out of the diaper stage, to grow out of, to be free from needing somebody to, to care for them in such a way that they begin to care for themselves. They find freedom. They discover purpose. We want them to be discipled into a place where they can make a difference, right? We want people to be able to go and become mature Christians and bring others to Christ also. You don't have to be a mature Christian to bring others to Christ. I've seen people get saved, and within a week, they got their whole family saved. Why? Because as long as you're born again, you're already ahead of all those that are not. You already know something that somebody else doesn't, which is what? Jesus, man, he came down, he forgave me, and I'm a new person today because I accepted him as my Lord and Savior, and you could do the same. There's the gospel. So simple. So... Um, in order to make a difference, you must be discipled. And we already read through Ephesians to show you that God has provided the church in the fivefold ministry in order to uh, disciple us to grow to this place. So we want to get into the spiritual characteristics. I've done this through uh, uh, the first one, which was uh, uh, babyhood. We did it for childhood, and now we want to do it for manhood. So there are many spiritual characteristics of manhood stage of this spirituality growth into the manhood stage, but we're going to cover three of them this morning, okay? Number one, esteeming earthly things lightly, a characteristic of a man, of a spiritual, uh, 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 a spiritual characteristic of manhood, a mature man or a pater or father is esteeming earthly things lightly, to be more heavenly minded than earthly minded, to have a heaven's perspective look at hebrews 11 24 through 26 this is the faith chapter and he uh, paul here is using the different uh, 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 men and women from the old testament and how they lived their life by faith and what they did to show their faith and, and the, the, the decisions they made to prove that they were people of faith so here it is moses by faith moses when he had grown up refused to be known as the son of pharaoh's daughter he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Listen, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. This is a man of faith that was looking ahead. He was heavenly minded. Moses was. What a man of faith that he gave up everything. He was next in line for the throne. Rich beyond measure. Could have anything he ever wanted. Had, had servants, had everything. I mean, the guy was set. And he gave all that up to go with his people and to follow by faith. To follow God that he would be able to look into his future and say, I am more heavenly minded. See, we need to be more like that. We need to be able to arrive at this manhood stage of spiritual growth. But the only way to do that is by faith. It says, by faith, Moses. By faith, Moses. And we live our whole lives. Many of us live our whole lives gathering and gathering and working and getting money and buying houses and, and all that. And listen, at the end, none of that's going to matter. None of that's, You're not going to take anything with you. 
There's that joke about the guy that wanted to sell everything and turn it to gold, and he tried to bring all the gold into heaven, and, and, and Peter got it. You know, they always say Peter's at the gate, and Peter was at the gate, and he's there with all these you know, things of gold and bags of gold, and he's dragging it to the gate, and Peter goes, what are you doing? He says, oh, I sold everything I had, and I brought all my riches up here in gold, and, and he opened up the thing and goes, oh, we make sidewalks out. That's asphalt up here. Right? That doesn't mean anything. We make our sidewalks out of gold, though. It's just, that's just concrete. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything up here. You can't bring those things up to, to heaven, and they don't mean anything at the end of your life. I've never stood next to a deathbed, uh, someone in their deathbed, that said, I wish I would have made more money. I wish I would have had a bigger house. I would have bought a bigger house. It's always, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have done this or that or the other thing. That I wish I would have affected my world around me more, my neighbor you know, I wish I would have preached the gospel more. I would have. You know, it's always different than, than what we try to gather. We need to be more heavenly minded as we mature into this, this area. See, Moses, it says Moses, when he had what? Grown up. He didn't know about, he didn't, he, it says when he had grown up, a mature man of God by faith chose to be more heavenly minded than earthly minded. You will recognize this level of maturity in your prayer life. Your prayer life gives it away. Because you'll be praying, and you know, I, I was just sharing in the earlier service that my wife and I, when we used to pray at the beginning, we always prayed for what God could give us. You know, we, and we were Po. We couldn't afford the OR on the end, so we were Po. And we were just, that was a joke, by the way. You can, you can humor me a little bit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Rivera. Thank you. So... Uh, you know, we didn't have much, so our prayers are always about, Lord, you know, we need food. I'm tired of eating spaghetti with hot dogs, you know. We need, Lord, we need money for this, and, you know, we lived in a bad neighborhood. Lord, we're having kids, and we live in this neighborhood, and, you know, they almost stole my car out of the, out of the parking lot, and, you know, and this is just, and we were always praying for our needs. Lord, prosper me. Lord, help, Lord, help, 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 Lord. Give me, give me, give me, Lord. And then we began to work in ministry, and we were in children's ministry, and I began to move up the ladder at, at, at uh, 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 Xerox Corporation, and, and I was making a little more money, so I was able, we were able to move out of that place. But even though we were prospering in the natural, our prayer life began to change. And we, we realized that we were praying at night. We would lay down in bed, and we would, we would pray together, and we would pray for our children and for our children's spouses, and we would pray for, you know, for, for different things, and we would just pray. And during some of those years that we were praying, you know, some of our children uh, uh, were sickly and had some things, and we were praying for healing, and we were praying. So we were praying for our immediate family. But we found ourselves praying for the church. We found ourselves praying for friends, people in our cell groups, in our life groups. We were praying for them. And before you knew it, years had gone by. And we, one day we laid down and we were about to pray. And I looked at my wife and said, we never pray for ourselves anymore. And at the time, I didn't realize that that was a sign of maturity. For me, I was like, well, we need to pray for ourselves a little more. <laughs> right? I had no idea. But your prayer life will give it away. Because you start to not think about yourself as much. But you start to think about others. And you start to pray about heavenly things and not so much earthly things you cannot put earthly things above spiritual things and expect to grow you will not grow as long as you're going after the things of the earth you're going to get the things of the earth right you're never going to get spiritual growth it is, and i'm saying it's not wrong to have money but it's wrong for money to have you it's not wrong to have nice things it's just wrong for nice things to have you matthew six thirty three says but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, you know, as I was preparing this message, I started to realize, you know, uh, uh, you start to think things, and uh, I'm like, you know, Lord, when we stopped worrying about our, our food and our car and our house and our finances and our bills, and, you know, sure, we need to do things. We can't be foolish and just spend all our money, expect God to show up, right? We, we do need to have a budget, and we do need to do things on our, on, in the natural sense. But when we, we started seeking the kingdom and the kingdom only, and it was our only concern, we realized we were just looking at it the other day, and I was like, babe, I am just so grateful. That's the other thing. Your prayer life becomes a prayer life of thankfulness. You're just thanking God for what you have, and you're not asking for anything else because you've matured. And we were just praying to God saying, thank you, Lord. We don't know where it's coming from. We have no idea. Nothing has naturally changed. Nothing has naturally changed for us. But yet there's this 
excess of funds all of a sudden. And, and we're putting money away and we're preparing for retirement. And, and we're, you know, we're like, wow, man, thank you, Lord. And, and we, I don't even want to, I don't want to look. I don't want to question. I don't want to create, you know, we already have a budget, but all this, I'm like, Lord, thank you. Whatever, however you're doing it, keep doing it. Why? Because we seek first the kingdom and all these things have just, they've just been added. They're just being added every day. And we thank the Lord for it. And Isaiah 119 says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. God wants you to be, have the good things of the land, but what do you got to be? Willing and obedient. A willing and obedient person is a mature person. They don't pout. They don't throw temper tantrums. They don't question why, 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 why. They trust God and their spiritual leaders that God has provided for them because they've matured. Esteeming earthly things lightly is being willing and obedient and seeking the kingdom first, not after earthly treasures. This maturity rewards, is rewarded with prosperity and your needs being met. Always. Look at Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. The mature man. The man. It doesn't say child. It doesn't say. It says the man. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law he meditates day and night. Sounds like a mature Christian to me. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. Listen, and whatever he does shall prosper. So what is he doing first? He's, he's sitting and he's reading the Bible and he's learning and he's not sitting in the council of the ungodly or he's standing in the path of sinners or he sit, sits in the seat of the scornful. You know, I have a teaching, I believe it's called, uh, 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 there's a series called Threefold Chord or something like that, I believe. And uh, uh, this is one of the teachings that, because I do things in threes over the, the whole series. And one of them is, it's called Sit, Walk, Stand. If you're going to sit, sit at the right hand of the Father, for there is authority and power. If you're going to walk, walk out your faith in what you believe. And if you're going to stand, stand on the Word. Right? There's your holy. You want it, you want it in detail, you can go in, uh, on our uh, app or our website or YouTube page and you can get the rest of that teaching. But if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, do it. If you're gonna uh, if you're gonna stand, stand on the word. If you're gonna walk, walk out your faith. If you're gonna sit, sit at the right hand of the Father in Christ. And whatever you do, you shall prosper. Seek first the kingdom, right? Don't seek earthly things. Number two, characteristics of a mature Christian. Number two, deadness to criticism or praise. Be dead to anybody's criticism or praise. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 says, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but, th but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. I don't do stuff because, because of you. I'm not a pastor or a minister because of you i'm here because of him when it's all said and done and don't take this the wrong way when it's all said and done i only care what he thinks and listen that is not a boastful arrogant way of thinking and this is not what this is teaching whatsoever for a mature person is not like that see this is not a carnal independence but a saintly dignity let me say that again this attitude is not a carnal independence, but a saintly dignity. This is not about arrogance or cockiness or I got it all together. No, this is about me seeking what God wants me to do and not being concerned not only about criticism. Criticism is tough because everybody has an opinion. Everybody has one. Every one of you will have an opinion about this teaching. Every one of you, whether good or bad, you're going to have an opinion or a criticism. Most of you in here have already been critical of who I am at one point or another. You might be visitors, so not yet. You might still like me, right? But many of you have already had some type of criticism. Listen, until you stand in my shoes, 
It's like the whole thing with the police now. And all. Listen, until you do what they do, you have no right to say, you know, I have the, you ever get these calls, these political calls? Uh, we want your opinion on uh, how the president is doing. I don't know. I've never been the president. I think he's doing pretty good, and I pray for him every day, but you want my opinion? I've never been the president. I don't even know what it is. All I know is that they go in looking one way, and they come out looking much older. Right? They go in with black hair, they come out with white hair, unless they're dyeing it. Orange. But <laughs> Sorry, miss. I didn't mean to disrespect you. He, he watches, by the way. He watches me every once in a while. But I'm really not concerned about criticism. But you know what's even worse than that? Praise. The whole, oh, you're so good. You're such a great pastor. You're the best. I came for the first time. Oh, man, the word here is so good. And you preach, oh, what you preach, so practical. And you, man, you just, you, you teach so great. And, mm-hmm. and then the ones that don't say anything, they show up every Sunday. They take notes. They go home. They practice the word. They, they right? And then the ones that say a lot, you know, usually don't last very long for some reason. I'm not looking for your, it, it, I'm a man, I have an ego, and it's good to know that at least you're receiving the word, right? If those of you who are online and are able to say something, say, oh, that's good, and that helps. I, I, you know, that's, I try not to let it go to my head, because I know it's not about me, it's about the word. But criticism or praise, you can't allow these things to move you here or there. Immature Christians will feel slighted or offended when criticized, because they're man-conscious and not God-conscious. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. This is the love chapter. A mature Christian walks in love. Read the love chapter. And if you read through there, if you behave this way, then you know. And there's a lot of things in there that we're not all doing. So don't think that you got it all together because you don't. 1 Corinthians 13, 5, in the amplified version, it says, it is, it is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude or unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. I'm not touchy. Listen, I can't be one. uh, This position, you know, (laughs) requires you to have thick skin. A sure tell sign of spiritual maturity is walking in love. Read 1 Corinthians 13 and you'll see. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. For I am not seeking the approval of man. Or, oh, let me say that. It gets a question. (laughs) For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? (laughs) Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Wow. Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. I, I'm always been the, I want everyone to like me. I don't like it when people don't like me. And, you know, I, I try hard and, and I put all that behind me. I, I'm so done with that. It's ridiculous, right? I, I, don't, I don't do that anymore because if I'm pleasing God, even those that don't like me like me. That's what it says. If I'm pleasing God and I'm doing what he wants me to do, I'm walking in love and I'm doing 1 Corinthians 13. I'm praying for those who spitefully use me. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing what the word says and I'm walking this way and living this way. Even my enemies, even my enemies are at peace with me. John 5, 44. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? How can you believe? How are you even those that believe if you try to receive glory from one another? If I was up here to just please you, we'd be, we'd be preaching a, a feel-good message every Sunday. and You'd leave here the same way you came in. My prayer every Sunday morning when I, when I put this together is that it affects you the same way it affected me. Because the Word affects me. I don't stand up here with, oh, I, this is what I know. I went to Bible school. And I have a lot of knowledge, and I know more than you, so that's why I'm up here, and you're down there. And that's why you're watching from wherever, right? No way. I I missed it by a mile. 
I minister out of what ministered to me. Sometimes I even share some personal things that have happened in my life. And I've had people come up to me and go, I've never heard a pastor share such vulnerability like you do. I'm human just like you, just because I have a five-fold ministry calling and a certain anointing and grace upon me to do what I do doesn't make me better than you. He just chose me. I don't know why. He just did. And I said, yes. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Right? I've said this before. I said, if I had to choose somebody, I probably wouldn't have chose me. <laughs> but he did. And I said, yes. And I take what I do very seriously. And I take it on as a big responsibility in his kingdom. So I don't stand before you arrogant. I stand before you ministered by the same word that I deliver to you. So if it's changing me and growing me, I expect it to do the same for you. And sometimes people get, feel uncomfortable and they don't like it. And sometimes they leave. But I can tell you that everything I say, I, I back it up with the word. We were watching, uh, I won't say his name, but we were watching a gentleman on YouTube. Uh, he's a, an evangelist. He's been around for a long, long, since the 70s. He was an evangelist during the, uh, you know, uh, the Jesus movement in the 70s. So this guy's been around a long time, and he was sharing his heart. And he's, the older he gets, the tougher he gets. And, uh, you know, he was just sharing about how we've gotten to a place in our church now that everyone just wants to feel good. And everyone just wants this message that is going to, that's going to help them make it to next week. And, and it's just going to encourage them to continue doing what they're doing. And what they need is a message that's going to tell them, you need to stop doing what you're doing. And you need to start doing what it says here. And, and we, we've, we've made this turn of we want to provide this. And, and listen, I'm not being critical of, of the large churches. Some of those churches are preached. I listen to some of those guys, and some of their word is like powerful, man, right on. You know, and I, I do listen to them. But some of these guys are just filling stadiums and all that. Why? Because people come for this, this message of, of hope. And we need to preach a message of hope. But this message of it makes me No, if the message is not making you go home and make an adjustment, that's what the word does. It convicts. It comforts. Right? It should make you, it should make you want to change. It should make you... Somebody kept asking me questions about, about end times and the, the dinosaurs. And then I said, yeah, it's all in the Bible. But is that making you a better husband? Is it making you a better father? Is it making you a better Christian? Those things are awesome. They're in here. We should learn them. But is it really changing you and making you a better instrument in God's hands? That should be the question. So I'm not seeking the approval of man but I'm seeking the approval of God. He says, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another? I'm not looking to receive glory from you. Not that it doesn't help that you come and say, man, that was a good word today. Thank you. And usually you'll hear me say, praise the Lord, because I try to give him all the glory, because it's his word. Uh, uh, what I was getting to that this gentleman was saying uh, in, his, in his sharing about this, he says, we've learned and we're even being taught in some Bible schools that we can only use one to two scriptures in an entire sermon because we lose people when we don't. How do you do that? How do I, how do I convey a message and, the, and the, the root of the message and the meat of the message without backing it up with scripture? I can't make that adjustment. So if that's why we're here, then I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize. But I'm going to back everything up. You know me. I say something, I give you three, four scriptures. I say something, I give you three or four scriptures. Always. Always. And that helps me not miss it, right? Let's move on. Number three, last one. Last characteristic of manhood. Ability to recognize God at work. This is a big deal. Because we miss it sometimes. We think God is not at work. So what we do is, if it's bad, it's the devil. If it's good, it's God. And that's not true. You guys, some of you are laughing because you realize you've been through some bad. That was God. The greatest biblical example of this is the story of Joseph. Joseph had a dream. He shares it with his brothers. That's where he messed up. He shared it with his brothers. They become jealous of him. They decided to kill him, but instead they sell him off to slavery. So he's taken to Egypt, and eventually he refuses to bow to the wishes of his master's wife, and he's thrown into prison. <clears throat> And he spends seven years in prison. There's a whole story there. You can go read it. I'm paraphrasing for the sake of the message. But he's thrown in prison. 
Can you see God at work? Isn't God good? God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. I'm in prison for something that I decided that I didn't want to, I didn't want to lay down with the Pharaoh's wife because she had an eye for me. And, and you know, when, when I refused, she tricked me and I ran out of her room naked when she had, she was the one that was trying to, right? And, and she ended up having me put in jail for seven years. So now he's been in jail seven years. The butler, Pharaoh's butler, gets in trouble. He's in jail. And Joseph has a dream, and he has a, 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 a vision, and he tells the butler, listen, I know something. I'm a prophet of God, and I know that in just a few days, you're going to be delivered from here. And God's going to restore you. And he's telling the butler, man, you don't understand. God spoke to me about this, and your dream means this, and they're back and forth. And he goes, listen, since I have this connection with God, and since I know that this is about to happen to you, when you go before the Pharaoh and become his butler again, could you, could you say a word for me? Could you just mention me up there and let him know, hey, this guy is really connected to God. Could you help me out so that I can get out of this prison? So he's helping the butler out. You know, he's doing everything God called him to do. God's using him to help the butler. The butler gets out of there, goes, he gets out of prison. Now he's the Pharaoh's butler, and he doesn't mention Joseph at all. So here I am doing God's work. I help this guy out, and he, I can't say that in church. He, he, he turned his back on me, <laughs> right? I, and he spends two more years in prison because of it. Man, woo, God's at work. Can you see God at work here? No, I can't. <laughs> I'd be pretty ticked off. So eventually, Joseph is released and made the prime minister of Egypt. A famine uh, back home causes his dad to send his brothers to Egypt in search of food. His brothers are brought before Joseph because he was the prime minister. And Joseph sends his brothers to go get Benjamin. Now, Benjamin was the youngest. Joseph had left. Benjamin had not been born. And when he realizes he had another brother, he says, I need to see him too. So he sends his brothers home. Now, at this point, his brothers do not recognize Joseph. They don't know that this guy, is jo- that he's a, this, guy this leader, is his. So they send him home, and they're like, we got to do this. And they're thinking, maybe he's asking us to go get Benjamin to, you know, to wipe us all out or something. And they don't know what's happening. And they're like, but we're starving to death, so we got to do this. We just have to. So they go get Benjamin, and they come back. And by the time they come back, Joseph had prepared a table full of food, a party. And they arrive, and he says, this is for you and me. You know who I am? I am your brother, Joseph. Remember me? Remember the dream I had and I shared with you? I told you it was going to come to pass, and now you're going to suffer for it. That's not what Joseph did. That's what some of us might have done. Right? Maybe. Look at Genesis chapter 45, verses 4 through 8. It says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me so I could smack you with my scepter. No, that's not what he said. He said, Come. <laughs> Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph. The one you sold into Egypt. That's a fact. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Wow. For two years now there has been a famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing or reaping. Verse 7, but God sent me ahead of you to, pers- to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Listen, so then it was not you who sent me here, but God. What perspective, what a mature man you have to be spiritually to understand that God was at work through this entire process. See, we live in a country and in an era and in a, in a, in a, 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 a preaching style. Remember prosperity preaching? Everything was about prosperity and, you know, and, and the church. And everybody's going to be a millionaire. And listen, you go through the church, there's probably less than 1% of the church are millionaires. It didn't happen. And we all have faith for it, didn't we? I don't think that's what God's purpose is for this faith message. 
This faith message is to do something in us. And what we want is for God to do something for us. That's what the faith message that came through. And we need to have faith for healing. And we need to have God promise these things. And he will do what he says he would do. But we're all going, we, I want God to do something for me. Do something for me. And what God's trying to do is something in you. He's trying to grow us. He's trying to mature us. Joseph had a, a perspective that he understood. He, he had the ability to recognize God at work. In fact, he had all three of these. Esteeming earthly things lightly. Deadness to criticism or praise because he didn't do what the Pharaoh's wife wanted him to do no matter what she was going to do to him. She criticized him so bad that he ended up in jail. And then the ability to recognize God at work. These are three things that we, need to, we all need to work on. The first one, especially as Americans, we are people who seek after earthly things. We abs- Listen, I know. I like nice things too. I really do. I like nice shoes. I like nice clothes. But I've learned, man, you go to these outlets and you go to the clearance section and you can buy a $100 shirt for about 20 bucks. Yeah. You can buy... $220 shoes for $39.95. I know they don't look like much, but they're penguins. Penguin is like, they make tailored shirts and, and they make, the, you know, they make the, the shoes are like super expensive, but I love them. I, these are the only ones I ever found that were less than 40 bucks. I like nice things too. Everybody's looking. They're just casual, regular shoes. They're not really much. You look at them and say, why would they charge so much? Because it says penguin inside. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I told my, my grandson was looking at my shoes. I said, they're penguins. And he goes, waddle? I was like, no. <laughs> so the shoes, the shoes. But we are like that, I know, because I have to fight that off all the time of wanting these nice things and trying to gather good things. and try, Right? That, that's all great. But if that's our focus, we're going to spend our whole lives gathering things that are not going to give us our spiritual maturity, and it's not going to give us what God wants us to have. As we mature, we no longer judge the things that are happening to us as good. If it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's the devil. Sometimes the unpleasant things in our life is God working in us. The perspective that Joseph had at the end of his life was that of a mature spiritual man. Come on. We, I, I, know, it's, I know it's painful. I know that sometimes we, we grow in our spirituality and we grow as Christians and then we arrive at a place and I, I'm good right here. I'm comfortable right here. I don't need to go any further than this. I don't need to change. I have some things that I keep in my pocket. I have some sins that, you know, God just understands. Well, no, God doesn't stand under anything or anybody. You can't say God understands. Yeah, he may understand where you're at, but he's not understanding why you're still there. That's a good one right? He, he may be, okay, I, I know why you're there because you're, you're in your growth process and you're still spitting up a little bit and you're still kind of pooping your diaper and you may still need, you know, you may still wah, wah, wah every once in a while. You know, okay, I, I get it, but you can't stay there. You got to grow out of that stage. And sometimes it's difficult. And sometimes we wah, wah all the way out of the stage and that's fine. Cry your way out if you need to. But let's move forward, not just as individuals, but as a church. And wherever you're at, and, and I, want, I want to say this clearly because we are a non-judgmental church, okay? Wherever you're at in your walk, it's okay. We love you. God loves you. And, and no one is farther along in their walk where God loves them more because he paid the same price for all of us, his son Jesus. Listen, there's people out there that don't even know God, don't know Jesus. They're running with the devil. They're, they're smoking pot. They're, they're uh, doing drugs. They're mistreating their wives. They're beating their children. They're breaking the law. They're doing all this stuff out there, right? And they're doing whatever it is that they're doing. God values them the same as those that are not doing those things. They have the same value. Why? Because he sent Jesus for them too. He didn't send someone more expensive for us. I don't have a greater value than you because I'm up here. I have the same value you do to God because he paid the same price for all of us. Right? He so loved the world that he paid. So wherever you're at in your walk, wherever you're at, if you're watching online, wherever you're at, it's okay. Don't don't feel uh, condemned or guilty. That's not why this message is here. This message is to encourage you to take a step forward into your next maturity level in your spiritual maturity.
I'm, and some of you are sitting here, and, and those who are here earlier, and some are watching, some of you know exactly what that means. I don't even need, you know exactly what it means to you, personally. Like you've been stuck somewhere for so long, and you're like, yeah, I know that this is, you know, I finally heard this. I think I need to do something. What do I need to do? And it may be just a small little thing that you need to do to begin that, that growth process. Amen? Let's stand to our feet this morning. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you for this growing process that we're in. We thank you that you don't leave us alone in this growing process. In fact, if we are children, you are our Father. And because you're our Father, you help us grow. You disciple us. You love us. Thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us abandoned. You don't leave us adopted, but you make us children. <laughs> children of the Almighty God. Father. You are our Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Father. We glorify your name. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today and you say, you know, I've heard all this about this born-again thing, and I've never done that. I've never been born again. I've never asked God to come into my life. I've never started this journey of being a Christian. If that's you and you want to, and we want us to pray for you, just kind of raise your hand and wave it at me. I, I can still kind of see everybody with the lights. Amen. If you're watching and that's you and you say, yeah, that's me, I want to be born again, uh, you know, contact us through our app or our website. There's a connection card or even an email, and you can connect with us, and we'll make sure to communicate with you and get back to you, and we'll pray with you and, and help you start this journey of, of being a Christian and having God be your father. Just know that he loves you wherever you're at. He loves you, and he just wants us to grow. That's all. And it's for our own good. See, there's a blessing in the next level of your growth that you can't experience until you grow. He can't give you this next level of blessing until you grow into it. He says, you're faithful in the small, and then I'll put you in the big, right? You're faithful with the little things, and then I'll give you the much. So you have to learn as, as we grow to be faithful with whatever God has given you so that we can grow into this place. He can't, he, he can't trust us with certain blessings until we mature it takes a real mature christian to be a millionaire to be rich like money rich and continue to be a christian it, it really does and not that it, it can't happen but it's very difficult i won't go into all the scriptures about that but it's very difficult but it can happen but you have to mature to a certain place see that's not my thing I don't, i'm not looking to be a millionaire i am so blessed you guys have no idea just look at my wife. Just to have her standing next to me is like, woo-wee. Look at me. Look at what God gave me and to you guys, right? That's how I feel when she's standing next to me. Wow. I look at my kids, you know, my, my three kids, and I'm like, man, look at what God did. This is amazing. My grandkids, I, I am rich beyond measure. So those are not the things. Now, do I want to be able to provide for my family? And, you know, do I want to be able to spoil my grandkids more than I did my kids? Absolutely. I want to spoil them rotten so they go home and misbehave to their parents, my kids. <laughs> That's what I want to do. We're already, I'm already planning. I, I was talking to uh, uh, my daughter, Evelyn. I was like, you know, uh, in December, can we have uh, Daniel for a few days? I want to take him up north to see snow, you know. And, and, so he, and then we're like, Danny, you want to see snow? Snow? What's snow? I don't want to see snow. You know, he doesn't know yet, but when we take a, you know, and, and Erica was his age, when, or, she, or Evelyn was his age, when we went up the first time we went to see snow up there. And we were from Miami, so we had no idea what was going on. They had, they had cloth gloves. The, the, the yarn made those gloves. And the, you know how those of you from the north are going, what's wrong with you, Pastor Rick? <laughs> Everything sticks to it. You make a snowball, you try to throw it, and it just sticks to your glove. Everything. They had, they had, you know, by the time they were done, they had a big Michelin man hand. You know, it was all full of snow because everything sticks to those gloves. You got to have like leather or, you know. We didn't know. We had no idea. Should have seen them. They were like, yeah. <laughs> they were walking. We layered them up because we didn't have, you know, anything for them to wear. But we're already like, can I take them? Can I take them up here? Can we do this with them? Can we, you know? Can I buy them this? Can I buy them that? I want to. I usually don't ask. We usually just buy stuff for them. But 
right? So look around. Be grateful. That's another thing about being a mature Christian. A mature Christian is grateful for wherever they're at. Be grateful. Don't be spoiled, Ron. Be grateful. I'm so grateful. Aren't you grateful? We're blessed people, man. The poorest person in the United States is richer than 85% of the rest of the world. <laughs> right? You get three meals. You're going to leave here today, and you're going to either go home and eat, or you're going to go somewhere and eat, but you're going to eat. And people, some, there's people in the world that eat maybe one meal a day if they're lucky. I'm going to go home and eat. I got leftovers from yesterday. Right? We're blessed. Be blessed and be grateful. Amen? And when you're grateful, you end up helping others and you end up giving to others. And that's when you know you've arrived. When, you, when you'd, rather give, you'd rather hand your plate over to somebody else and walk away. That's why I said if you're going to come to the picnic, bring somebody. Let them have the free meal and you pay for yours. It's okay. And listen, I'm even going to step out there. You might want to shut this off because if there's thousands of people watching, I don't want them all to show up. But, uh, you know, this is a one-time deal. If you show up with somebody that, you know, that you're inviting to come to church and, and just to hang out with us and you bring them and they have the free meal, I'll buy your meal. I'll personally buy your meal. How's that? I'm not saying it again because I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to have to take out a loan. If you're not able to pay for your own. I should add that at the end like that. That's, that's much better. That's much better. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes I say stuff and, you know. Amen. Know that we love you, we care about you, and we want you to grow. And if this, this series has been a blessing to you, go back and listen to them. I listen to my own teachings sometimes and go back and listen to them again. And, uh, you know, you can go through them. So be ready. The next couple of weeks are going to be a blessing to you. There's some special stuff happening the next two Sundays. And then uh, uh, those are going to be surprises. And then the, um, the Sunday after that, the 11th, uh, those of you who were not able to make it in today, I know it was raining and, and you know, we're still kind of doing this COVID thing or whatever. Uh, I noticed that there's been a, a shift. Have you not noticed? So we, we still have some with masks and no one, no one is going to judge you for wearing masks. Some of us still wear masks. Uh, I wore my mask into Lowe's the other day and, you know, I walked through the whole place and I'm the only one with a mask. Not even the, the people who work there were wearing them. I was like, there's a sign on the door. I mean, I, I'm trying to be obedient here. But nobody was wearing them, so there's a definite shift even in our society of people not wearing masks anymore. There's a little more calmness, and that has a lot to do with the media. It's, all this has taken the back burner now. It's not, it's not in your face anymore. And the numbers, the numbers are so low right now that it's not even, and, and, and you know, there's a natural part of that, wearing the mask helps. So I, I get that. I, I understand. I'm not mocking that. I'm saying it, it, it works. It's been proven that it works. But I think we're at a place where we need to move forward with our faith and with our walk. I can't tell you what to do naturally. Obviously, that's you. That's between you and God and your family. But I can't help you to have enough faith to move forward. We're kind of stuck. Don't you guys agree? Come on, we're just having a little family talk now. We're kind of, we're over. I'm just talking to you. We, you know, we're kind of stuck in a place like, what, what's next? And when is this going to be over? It's over. That's, you know. I know naturally it may not be, but let's, let's begin to have faith for the future. Because the longer we stay here, the more we miss out on what God's doing next. Amen? When, when this whole thing happened, we have, there's chairs up against the back wall over there. And we've separated to make room, you know, for six feet or whatever. And we have 183 of these blue chairs. That's what we own. And, and we had them all on the floor. And we were two, sometimes three Sundays a month, we were completely full. There was several, you know, there was little spots where there was a chair empty or whatever, not where it was jam-packed. We, we almost, at one Sunday, we were like, if we get any more people, just grab the chairs out of the cafeteria and bring them in here, and we'll put them in the back. But we were at that, we were just, we were, man, snowballing. We were just growing, and, and then this thing hits, boom, and now look, right? And, and I get it. I understand that doesn't affect me because I'm, you know, we're trying to be mature here. But it does. You know, you look out there and you're like, oh, man, where's everybody? You know, and then you get over it and then you pray for people and, and you love them anyway, right? But we want to we start moving forward into that, that type of, those types of services because, you know, it says, do not forsake the assembling of my people. God said, I'm not saying that. God said it in his word, right? This is how we grow. This is how we move forward, right? So know that we love you and we care about you and, uh, 
you know, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. That's T.D. Jakes. Get ready, get ready, get ready. And uh, in, on October 11th, that Sunday morning, we're going to have a, a very powerful service. And God's going to do something in all of our lives. You know why? Because that's what we're expecting. And we get what you expect. That's how faith works. So let's begin. We have, you have two weeks to grow your faith. You have two weeks to pray about this. You have two weeks, you know, three weeks, if you continue to pray about it and have your expectancy level get to rise up to that place of God's going to, man, the, the presence of God is going to be so powerful in this building, it's going to be filled with smoke. Right? That's what happened in the Old Testament. The priest, the presence of God was so strong that it was tangible and transferable. That's what we want, Lord. We want your presence so thick in this place that it changes everyone who comes in contact with it. Amen? That's what we're expecting. Are you expecting that? And so am I. So we agree. That means it's got to happen. Amen? So we'll see you over the next few weeks. Those of you who are watching, build your faith up. We hope to see you here in, in, uh, in whatever capacity that you're able to make it in. If you want to wear your mask, wear your mask. However, we love you and we care about you. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.